What up, what up, what up? Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Hey, I just want to let you know, I know everybody can't always support and donate uh, to the podcast, but hey, if you can do a one-time donation, I put up a buy me a coffee uh, link in this description of the podcast. So if you go to the description of the podcast, it'll be at the bottom, and you can just uh, go to that link and you buy me a cup of coffee, or two if you want. And uh, that would just help support the show, and uh, I can... I can wake up a little bit more and bring you more info so thanks for listening to the podcast if you can donate that would be much appreciated and let's get on to the show what up what up what up welcome back to lockdown universe home of the bizarre peculiar and unheard of stories of ufo legend and paranormal lore welcome back welcome back happy to be back Hopefully you guys are doing excellent and taking care of yourselves. So today I want to talk about the secret letter about a secret meeting that was a conspiracy to bring down an entire segment of the population. Now, this anonymous letter came out in 2011 and apparently was published in 2012. Nobody knows, according to the internet nobody knows exactly where this letter came from it was anonymous but it came out and it was it was emailed to an individual who released it to the public and basically this letter talks about a secret meeting that was held in LA with record executives and they had brought in people from all around the world and the primary goal was to push a certain type of music that would make them millions of dollars, not on the music, but on their private funding of private prisons. The more people that they had in these private prisons, the more money they could make, and the more suffering that could happen to a certain segment of the population. And remember, control is power. And these folks controlled private prisons. And they had millions upon millions of dollars invested into these private prisons. The government would give them more money to keep them at maximum capacity, right? Government only gives you enough money for the beds that you fill. The more beds you fill, the more money you can make. And the, the less you give to the prisoners, the more money you get to keep. If you've ever seen Orange is the New Black, you can see how they tried to save money uh, in those prisons by going to conventions trying to find the cheapest alternatives for foods that they could come up with so they could save millions of dollars and keep it in their pockets and raise the bonuses for the people controlling those prisons. So let's get into it. So we have this article, and I'm going to read it to you. So this anonymous individual states, Hello, for more than 20 years... I finally decided to tell the world what I witnessed in 1991. Remember, this is the beginning of the rap era, which I believe was one of the biggest turning points in popular music, even with grunge music. I mean, tons of music came out around 1991. It was a turning point for popular music and ultimately American society. I've struggled a long time with this and weighing the pros and cons of making the story public. As I was, a, I was reluctant to implicate the individuals who were present that day, 
so I've simply decided to leave out names and all the details that may risk my personal well-being and that those who were like me dragged into something they weren't ready for. See, a lot of people were invited into this specific uh, meeting. However, they weren't exactly ready or even knowing what this meeting was all about. They were told it was about the rap industry and how they could make a lot of money, but they weren't told exactly how it was going to happen. So between the late 80s and the 90s, this individual that he, who was anonymous states he was what you would call a decision maker with one of the more established companies in the music industry. He came from Europe in the early 80s and quickly established himself in the business. The industry was different back then since technology and media accessibility um, aren't what they are today. The industry was the controller of what people saw. The industry had more control over the public and the means to influence them any way they wanted. So he states, this may explain why early 1991 I was invited to attend a closed door meeting with a small group of business insiders, uh, music business insiders, to discuss rap music's new direction. Little did I know that we would be asked to participate in one of the most unethical and destructive business practices I've ever seen. Now, remember, like pre-1991, you know, a lot of stuff was like R&B and like hip-hop. But like 91, you had, you know, Snoop coming out, Dre coming out. You did have like N.W.A. earlier. And, you know, it was like really, really a pivotal point. But they were starting to see how they can make money off of it. The meeting was held at a private residence on the outskirts of Los Angeles. I remember about 25 to 30 people being there. Most of them were familiar faces. Speaking to those who I knew, we joked about the theme of the meeting as many of us really didn't care for rap music and failed to see the purpose of being invited to a private gathering to discuss its future. Among the attendees was a small group of unfamiliar faces uh, who stayed to themselves and made no attempt to socialize beyond their circle. Based on their behavior and formal appearances, they did seem to be in our industry, or they didn't seem to be in our industry. They seemed to be kind of like their own like little group, maybe even like a security group. They weren't really sure. Our casual chatter was interrupted when we were asked to sign a confidentiality agreement preventing us from publicly discussing the information presented during the meeting. Needless to say, this intrigued and in some cases disturbed many of us. The agreement was only a page long, but very clear on the matter and the consequences, which stated that violating the terms would result in job termination. We asked several people what this meeting was about and the reason for such secrecy, but we couldn't find anyone who had any answers for us. A few people refused to sign this NDA and walked out. No one stopped them. I was tempted to follow, but curiosity got the best of me, and a man who was part of the unfamiliar group in the corner collected the agreements from us. Quickly after the meeting began, one of my industry colleagues, who shall remain nameless, thanked us for attending. He then gave the floor to a man who only introduced himself by first name, so they couldn't even get his last name, and gave us no further details about his personal background. I think he was the owner of the residence, but it was never confirmed. He briefly praised us all for our success we had achieved in the industry and congratulated us for being selected as part of a small group of decision makers 
and at this point I was beginning to feel slightly uncomfortable at the strangeness of the gathering. The subject quickly changed as the speaker went on to tell us that the respective companies we represented had invested in a very profitable industry and could become even more rewarding with our active involvement. He explained that the companies we work for had invested millions into the building of privately owned prisons and that our positions of influence in the music industry would actually impact the profitability of these investments. I remember many of us in the group immediately looking at each other in confusion. At the time, I didn't know what a private prison was, but I wasn't the only one. Sure enough, someone had asked what these prisons were and what any of this had to do with us. We were told that these prisons were built privately and were owned by companies who received funding from the government based on the number of inmates. The more inmates, the more money the government would pay these prisons. It was also made clear to us that since these prisons are privately owned, as they become publicly traded, we'd be able to buy shares. Most of us were again taken aback by this. Again, a couple of people asked what this had to do with us. At this point, my industry colleague who, was, who had first opened the meeting took the floor again and answered our questions. He told us that since our employers had become silent investors in the prison business, it was now their interest to make sure that these prisons remained filled. Our job would be to help make this happen by marketing music which promotes criminal behavior, rap being the music of choice. He assured us that this would be a great situation for us because rap music was becoming increasingly profitable and for our companies and employees, we'd also be able to buy personal stocks in these prisons. Immediately, silence came over the room and you could hear a pin drop. I remember looking around to make sure I wasn't dreaming and sure half of the people, <laughs> I, I saw half of the people with dropped jaws. My days was interrupted when someone shouted, is this a effing joke? At this point, things became chaotic. Two of the men who were part of the unfamiliar group grabbed the man who shouted out and attempted to remove him from the house. A few of us, myself included, tried to intervene. One of them pulled out a gun and we all backed off. They separated us from the crowd and all four of us were escorted outside. My industry colleague, who had opened the meeting earlier, hurried out to meet us and reminded us we had signed an agreement and we would suffer the consequences of speaking out about this publicly or even with those who had attended the meeting. So they couldn't talk to people within the meeting. They couldn't talk to anybody outside of the meeting about it. I asked him why he was involved with something this corrupt and he replied that it was bigger than the music business and nothing we'd want to challenge without risking consequences. Keep that in mind. We all protested as we walked back into the house, and I remember word for word the last thing he said was, It's out of my hands now. Remember, you signed an agreement. He then closed the door behind him. The men rushed to our cars and actually watched until we drove off. A million things were going through my mind as I drove away and I eventually decided to pull over and park on the side street in order to collect my thoughts. I replayed everything in my mind repeatedly and it all seemed so surreal to me. I was very angry with myself for not having taken a more active role in questioning what had been presented to us. 
I'd like to believe the shock of it all is what suspended my better nature. After what seemed like an eternity, I was able to make to to calm myself enough to make it home. I didn't call or text anyone. Sorry, I didn't talk or call anyone that night. Uh, the next day, back at the office, I was visibly out of it, but blamed it on being under the weather. No one else in my department had been invited to the meeting, and I felt a sense of guilt for not being able to share what I had witnessed. I thought about contacting the three others who were kicked out of the house, but I didn't remember their names and thought tracking them down would probably bring unwanted attention. I considered speaking out about it publicly at the risk of losing my job, but realized I'd be I'd probably be jeopardizing more than my job, and I wasn't really willing to risk anything happening to my family. I thought about those men with the guns and wondered who they were. I had been told that this was bigger than the music business, and all I could do was let my imagination run free. There were no answers and no one to talk to. I tried to do a little bit of research on private prisons, but didn't uncover anything about the music business's involvement. However, the information I did find confirmed how dangerous this prison business really was. Days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. Eventually, it was as if the meeting had never taken place. It all seemed surreal, and I became more reclusive and stopped going to any industry events unless professionally obligated to do so. On two occasions, I found myself attending the same function as my former colleague. Both times, our eyes met but nothing more was exchanged. As the months passed, rap music had definitely changed direction. I could never, I was never a fan of it, but even I could tell the difference. Rap acts had talked about politics or harmless fun were quickly fading away as gangster rap started dominating the airwaves. Only a few months had passed since the meeting, but I suspect the ideas presented that day had been successfully in- implemented. It was as if the order has been given to all major label executives. The music was climbing the charts and most companies when more than ha- most companies were more than happy to capitalize on it. Each one was churning out their version of their very own gangster rap acts on an assembly line. Everyone bought into it, consumers included. Violence, drugs, uh, drug use became the central theme in most rap music. I spoke to a few of my peers in the industry to get their opinions on the new trend, but was told that it was all about supply and demand. Sadly, many of them even expressed that the music reinforced their prejudice of minorities. I officially quit the music business in 1993, but my heart had already left months before. I broke ties with the majority of my peers and removed myself from this thing that I had once loved. I took some time off, returned to Europe for a few years, and settled out of state and lived a quiet life away from the world of entertainment. As the years pass, I managed to keep my secret uh, fearful of sharing it with the wrong person, but also a little ashamed of not having the balls to blow the whistle. But as rap got worse, my guilt grew, and fortunately in the late 90s, having the internet as a resource, which wasn't at my disposal in the early days, made it easier for me to investigate what is now labeled as the prison industrial complex. Now, I have a great understanding of how private prisons operate. Things make much more sense than they ever have, and I see how the criminalization of rap music played a big part in promoting the racial stereotypes and misguided so many impressionable young minds into adopting these glorified criminal behaviors, which often lead to incarcerations. 
20 years of guilt is a heavy load to carry. But the least I can do now is to share my story, hoping that the fans of rap music realize how they've been used for the past two decades along uh, although I plan on remaining anonymous for obvious reasons, my goal now is to get this information out to as many people as possible. Please help me spread the word. Hopefully others who attended the meeting back in 1991 will be inspired to tell this and tell their own stories. Uh, most importantly, if only one life has been touched by my story, I pray that it makes the weight of my guilt a little more tolerable. tolerable. Thank you. So, that's the end. It's a lot of information to process, isn't it? I think there's a lot of themes here. One of the themes is the, the idea of private prisons being for-profit. That's really disturbing. Um, I don't believe in that at all. I believe that you should have a state prison system um, and that our prisons aren't really designed for reform at all. They're designed just to incarcerate people and that's it, just for punishment. But it's not really rehabilitating anyone. Um, and certainly not private prisons. <laughs> I mean, their job is to make money. They're businesses. At least the state is, you know, state. It's funded by the people. Uh, not saying it is much better. Might not be. Um, the other issue is these humongous, this big group of music executives talking about this back in 1991 and having investments into private prisons. It's almost like, you know, the government having a deal with, you know, gun runners or, um, I don't know, you know, gun runners, military runners, the, the military industrial complex, and knowing that in a year, there's going to be this massive war. And if they invest in these companies, they're going to make money, right? If they buy their stocks and then there's a war in a year, well, those stocks are going to go up because they're going to be selling millions upon millions, billions upon billions of dollars to the government, right? Through these contracts. So imagine if you have the foresight of what's going to happen in the future, you're the creators of this music. You're the, you're the people that are signing these people and pushing them out, marketing these guys, you know there's going to be a problem. You know that there's going to be an issue. And if you have the private prison and you are funding it or, or investing in it and you're funding it too, that you're going to make a big profit off of it. I mean, these guys aren't stupid. These guys are, are highly intelligent businessmen, at least. I'm not saying they're good people. I'm saying that these guys, you know, they, they know the game. They've been taught the game. They play the game. And that's what they're doing. Um... But it changed, if it's true, it changed a nation and possibly the world um, promoting, you know, acts of violence. Now, what does this have to do with aliens and conspiracy <coughs> with anything else, government and all that? Well, it is a conspiracy, right? They did it conspiratorially as a, as a group and kept it quiet. So that's the definition of a conspiracy and carried it out. Um if it's true, then what does it have to do with aliens? Well, if we talk about certain species feeding off of negative energy, boom, these certain species are going to have a plethora of ne negative energy. 
how do you get a bunch of negative energy out of a population? You have their own population promote music or speeches or vibrations that instigate violence, instigate confrontation. The confrontation between two entities is what is fed off of, typically most of the time, by multiple species, but typically noted as the reptilians and the dracos. Specifically, there's lots of different species of reptilians. There's terrestrial reptilians, there's Mars reptilians, there's draco reptilians. And the draco reptilians seem to be the one that feed, ones that feed off of the negative energy here on planet Earth. Uh, so, if that's true, then we got a big problem because... Well, or we already had the problem. Um, you know, nowadays it seems like everything is kind of changing a little bit. Um, it, it, the music industry is changing and evolving, and it's not so much gangster rap anymore as it is more like mumble jumble rap. <laughs> and even some people are kind of joking with the rap, you know. So it's definitely become more lighthearted than it was in the '90s, you know, uh, and even in the '80s, you know. Think. We've become more accepting as a as a culture, um, and people are a little bit more empathic these days. So, where does that leave us here, right? Does it leave us with the thought process that we all kind of thought of, with like these major families that are super uber rich cons conspiring and being conspiratorial? to create these mammoth business ideas and profit off of the, the poor. It's pretty sad. Uh, I don't know if this is true. Again, this, is, this has been a letter that's been going around for quite some time, for about 10 years or 12 years now. But it is something really to think about. And if you put it in the bigger picture of alien, government, that kind of thing. It, it could it could have been like a humongous psyop, you know. It could have been, it could have been a humongous psyop that was run in conjunction with the aliens and the government to see how things would turn out. Good versus evil. Who's going to win? You know, it's it's really interesting. It's a lot to think about there. But anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. What did you think about uh, the secret letter about the secret meeting changing? the music industry forever. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, feel free to drop a comment. Uh, I hope you guys are really taking care of yourselves, staying positive, taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, emotionally, following through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams. And as always continue to question the universe around you till next time, guys, take care and lockdown universe out.